Okay, so real talk. I want you Okay, not the fake. I talk. want you to think about the like viral video here and there you've seen over the last like 25 years. That's Take this into consideration. Them. Okay. Without humans, would sheep go extinct? I mean, domesticated sheep? Yes. Domesticated a lot of animals, absolutely. Are there wild but sheep like, out there? I have no idea. But like What the fuck is a sheep? Well, so they, you know, they grow all their wool and shit, right? And then have you like every every few years a video pops up where there's that sheep that can't fucking eat or move because its wool has grown out so much, and then they like take the viral shears and mm, they yeah. you know, remove the wool, and then the sheep is happy and it can eat and all this other stuff, leading me to believe that their wool doesn't stop growing. No, <laughs> so without us. Would sheep just starve and die? I mean, yes, except for the ones that have whatever genetic mutation. And if there's enough to start a new colony, then they evolve into, you know, blah, blah, blah. All sorts of symbiotic relationships popping, non and popping up over. Sheep. Yeah, yeah, popping up across nature and whatever. You've, you've opened up inadvertently a much bigger terrifying thought in my brain which is what what is a non-domesticated sheep where did they come from like you can think of like okay like right cow- do like, they exist yeah you can think of like cows or you know like okay that came from like you know whatever domesticated you know bison or whatever or like dogs okay wolves cats okay they self-domesticated sure right but like so many of our chickens you know domesticated from you see other birds you're like i see how this happened mm-hmm. what the fuck is a sheep mm-hmm. where did they come from so like legit because wool is in like all of our clothes mm-hmm. that is the number one argument I would use for proof of the existence of a higher being is that they created what? sheep for humans. I mean, no. Yeah, because all of our clothes, so much of our clothes, other than like Lululemon, is <laughs> is wool, other wool, than cotton. Wool, cotton, and petroleum. Sure. Right. right. But... I mean, it's not, if they weren't created as sheep, they were selectively bred over thousands of years in domestication. Maybe, probably. But like, that is, <laughs> I'm, do, I'm Wait, giving no, you the devil's there's a advocate. Whole here. Level, there's like <laughs> so. an entire level of like history and denialism that you're just opening the door to. No, you can't. That's fine. Just whatever. So, like, this. If, we, if you look, you if say, you look, you at, say, if you look at sheep going- and, and if their wool, the production of their wool is what gives us clothes. And if they if they would die out without humans, then someone who is highly, highly religious, this would be my number one argument for the existence of a higher being. But it's a it's not a good argument because what are what is I mean, in other countries, you know, what in is? other pl- in in other places, they used fur from other animals to create clothing, right? Like yak uh-huh. fur, or yeah. whatever. And so, yeah. or they they just used you know furs, skins, you know, uh, whatever. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, a lot of European clothing and it it what it the types of clothing that came from it, like yeah, started with wool, wool to cultivation, whatever. But even that, again. Thousands of years of domestication. You have to, in in order to to 
make that an argument for the existence of God, you already have to entertain the premise that God existing and creating sheep for people is more likely than the verifiable historical record of thousands of years of domestication of animals. That's fine. But and then so if, what if, is a good argument for the existence is existence of a God? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> belief yeah belief. exactly exactly it, right it's it's self-reinforced so if this, i this believe unknowable un, unverifiable feeling within yourself that you, you have a connection to sheep a creator or yeah sheep yeah so how is my how's that argument any less valid than any other argument for believing in a higher power i would say it, it's less valid because it's more circumspect it's it's using the sheep as a proxy for belief when belief itself would do just fine. Okay. <laughs> like a polygon in a square. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'll still argue the square. Okay, fair. <laughs> Squares are more useful than polygons in some instances. Uh-huh. Anyway. So welcome, welcome back to America. Hey, thanks. I saw a lot of sheep on my trip. <laughs> okay. Now, now the pieces are starting to click into place. I'm looking at them and I'm just like, how do you live? <laughs> how, can you live independently of humans? I don't know if you can. Yeah. Yeah. You went on a cruise. I how did. was it? It was good. Did the British Isles. Saw, honestly, the main two things we saw were castles and sheep mm-hmm. um, and cows. Highland coos. Um, but uh, yeah, it was fun. Went to like Ireland and England and Wales and that's it. You know, okay. okay. Do you know about like, I guess it was the Irish Civil War from like the 60s to the 90s? Oh, the Troubles? Yeah. So, okay. So our, our tour guide calls it the Troubles. Yeah. I thought that was his nickname for it. That's actually mm-hmm. like a thing. Okay. That's fine. When did you learn about it? Hmm. I mean, I think I had some vague understanding that the IRA was a thing that existed in, like, you know, as a teenager or something, or as a kid, but probably didn't really learn about the conflict and and how big of a deal it was and how long it lasted, et cetera, until, you know, my mid-20s or something. Independent research? Yeah. Okay, here's the thing about being white. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Is you run up you a, to <laughs> <laughs> you you may encounter this not being white, I don't know, but you run up against a lot of people who are like, Oh, I'm not white, I'm you know, fill in the blank, specific uh-huh. white ethnicity. And the most I'm I'm gonna catch so much heat for this. I'm gonna get canceled really hard. The most common one of these is I'm not white, I'm Irish. I'm like, uh-huh. okay, there is a long history of oppression of Irish people, both, you know, as their status as a British colony for hundreds of years and also Irish Americans. I get it. I'm not trying to diminish any of that. Mm -hmm. What I'm saying is you fuckers assimilated and you assimilated hard eventually. And the white people were happy to have you to add you to the homogenizing force as a barrier of race to continue oppressing black people. Don't act like you're not white now. But there are, I know, several people who hold this, you know, 
Irish heritage very strong in their hearts, and they will talk about Irish liberation, Irish struggles, as if they haven't lived their entire lives in America. And, like, probably don't have any relatives in Ireland who they maintain any contact with whatsoever. So you learn a certain amount about the IRA, about the Irish history of oppression from these sorts of people. Checks out. Okay. Yeah. So during our tour, yeah, my wife was surprised that I had no idea that there was an Irish Civil War. Mm-hmm. Might venture to think that you would not be surprised that I had no idea that there was an Irish Civil War. <laughs> These things don't really <laughs> bubble up to your radar. They don't really catch right. your interest. Yeah. But so she was trying to figure out when she learned about it. Mm. She thinks she learned it sometime in like junior high-ish, like in the gate history class or something. Sure. I mean, that Cranberry song, Zombie, is what it's about. <laughs> Probably. And their <laughs> tanks, and their bombs, and their bombs, and their guns, in your head, oh, yeah. in your head, they're still dying. Such a good song. I was just listening to that today. I actually put on, Rachel and I were cleaning the house, we put on a Cranberries, Cranberries, Cardigans, and Garbage playlist to clean the house, too. Glorious. Amazing. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, and I I never learned about it, and she thinks she learned about it in school, but she's mm-hmm. not 100% sure. And so now, now it's like this thing that I'm curious about is like, do other people know about Most people probably know about the Troubles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then like, when did said people learn about Troubles? Because mm-hmm. like, we were very much alive for the last decade of the Troubles. Right, Absolutely. What the Good Friday Agreement happened, yeah, in the 90s. It was like 98, 99 yeah. or something. Pretty recently for all intents and purposes. But like, right? yeah, I just, it's it was totally news to me. Yeah, April 10th, 1998. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. And so like their tourism isn't that great because they've only been opened up to tourism for like 20 years. Yeah. Compared to like the rest of Europe that like tourism is like built into like Venice and Rome Mm -hmm. and, you know, stuff like that. Anyway. To the detriment of those cities, you know, being able to do anything else. But absolutely. (laughs) Growing up in a town that lives on tourism. Yes. Like (laughs) the influx of tourists. uh, Yeah. I don't know. I think, I think tourism is great, but I also understand the desire for no tourists. To I mean, walk around and cause trouble. Not necessarily an all or nothing thing, but you know, you have to take into account the damage that they're going to do to your infrastructure. Yeah. Venice being particular. Uh, never mind. Yeah. Yeah. I've no, watched- yeah. Ven- I know, I know Venetians are very anti tourism. It's just, it's, it's which just, sucks because I love Venice. <laughs> it's just too much. It's just too big. It, there's yeah. it, it Venice is a very small place and yeah for sure it cannot handle ships that size should we do a podcast it's been a while yeah you want to give us the like yeah. actual intro yeah <laughs> where we talk about comics, things that we're hyped on. Will continuing his read through current 
616 Marvel Comics, me slogging through X-Men comics of 1999 until I'm fucking done with them. Until, well, until Y2K. Mm, no. I have to get through Y2K. It's, it doesn't start getting good until like mid-2001. Mm. I've, got, I've got some distance. You do have some, some uh, making up. There, that's, a lot of, that's a lot of issues. I'd say I don't envy you, but I'm sitting <laughs> here with 10 books worth of reading that I do. Yeah, too. my reading this week was very light, and I assumed yours would be very heavy. So let, or this week, this three weeks, this since our last pod, whatever. Yeah. Well, so there is a benefit to me ingesting 10 books instead of the usual three or four mm-hmm. because I don't remember most of it. And so it's just hey. the stuff that sticks out that I can talk about <laughs> without <The upside>. like <laughs> the upside to not taking notes. Right. Without like rereading everything on the pod. Yeah. So I'm going to save the one that I think we'll have the most conversation for last, which is X-Men Legends Volume 2. Oh, yes. Yes, it will. X-Men Legends being the series where Marvel went and brought back teams from different points in, or creative teams from different points in X-Men history and telling stories that they either wanted to tell or didn't get to tell Mm -hmm. or thought about telling back in the 90s. And so it's a great crossover between my reading and Steve's reading. So we'll save Hell that yeah. for last. This was six issues, one three-issue story, and then three single-issue stories, as opposed to last time were three two-issue stories. So I've got Ghost Rider, The Return of Blaze, Black Panther, The Long Shadow, Avengers Forever, The Lords of Earthly Vengeance, <laughs> Captain America, Iron Man, The Armor and the Shield, Amazing Spider-Man Beyond Volume 4, Black Widow, Die by the Blade, Miles Morales Beyond, Hawkeye, Kate Bishop, and Miss Marvel Beyond the Limit. Good God. Okay. Yeah, just spanning everything. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was a fun excursion. Sweet. The one I have the least to say, well, the one I think I have the least to say about is Ghost Rider, The Return of Blaze. Oh, sorry. Also, what did you read real quick? <laughs> Thank you. I read an arc on x Men. and i love that this just brings us immediately both hysterical (laughs) x-man what a great you almost forgot about him didn't you Mm. you know i can't yeah Mm -hmm. Isn't life better when Man. you forget about X Man? <laughs> you know, like aren't aren't I just actively making your life worse? Honestly, though, like I want X Man to work. Why? <laughs> because I mean, so my perspective on X Man is he's basically what if Cable without a virus? Yeah, that's cool right? for like so, four like, issues. Well, like I see somebody looking at cable and being like i want to take him beyond where he's at and but anytime he like unleashes his full psychic power he relinquishes control of the transmode virus and so the virus will take over so but like also- if you remove the handicap what could you do with a mutant that powerful and that's <laughs> it's also history uh, cable without History or backstory. 
or like defining um right he's very much a test tube baby yeah he's a test tube man baby <laughs> yeah. which sucks <laughs> <laughs> but like just yeah i guess i guess what i want and what x-man technically is are two very different things mm-hmm. but like conceptually like if you just wrote it down on paper that's that's a story i'd be interested in in like where would that character fit in universe okay for 75 issues <laughs> i don't know if there's this a is, single this is issue 51 through 55 and i gotta say they ran out of ideas like 45 issues ago and that's kind of the problem right is so because he's from an alternate reality and he's a test oh, we'll get to that. He doesn't have a like rogues gallery, an, or, an organic rogues gallery. Mm-mm. And he doesn't have an organic support cast. Mm-mm. And without that, you can't tell a good story for more than two volumes. I mean, it kind of gets to the larger problem of, of like post 60s Marvel in general, which is like, it's just hard to blaze your own trail and tell new stories because fans want things that they that are related to things they already know. Yeah. And and so, you know, I'm not sure if there was ever a good storytelling idea to happen for Nate Gray, but the fact that he's a derivative character to begin with, right? Like you're you're taking the idea of like what if cable but blank. Well, there's already a cable book. Like uh-huh. We're, we get a cable story every single month. We're not really like lacking in ways to apply the cable mythos. So I, I have no idea how X Factor and Excalibur <laughs> got canceled and this didn't. Oh. I mean, not yeah. that I wanted those books to continue. Those books were also terrible at the end. It's just, it's just shocking to me. Anyway, enough about... In, and uh, before we dem- invite Demetrios on again, uh, <laughs> let's get out of this rut. And, All right. Uh, tell me about, you said Ghost Rider you're starting with? Ghost Rider. So The Return of Blaze is only three issues. The first two we've already covered. They made a trade of three issues? Yeah, they do that sometimes. Wow. Yeah. And they had the audacity to charge 16 bucks for it. And Damn. on top of that... They got it, you good. And on top of that, it's only one new issue. The other two have been in other volumes. <laughs> Bro. Oh, yeah, it's great. So the first one is Spirits of Ghost Rider, Mother of Demons. And it's the backstory of Lilith and her going around and making and going to Limbo and making a pact with Belasco. Be like, hey, we can take over all the hells. That one ends with her rebirthing herself and basically getting a new design. And then also it's the first time we see Danny Ketch as the spirit of uh, whatever. Oh, yeah, Pelasco's. he's not the spirit of vengeance. He's the spirit of something else. Yeah. Danny Ketch colon spirit of something else. <laughs> Danny Ketch is the, he is the chosen champion of Belasco now. Okay. As opposed to, the chosen champion of Mephisto, which would be Spirit of Vengeance, which would be Ghost Rider, blah, blah, blah. Uh, sure. Gosh, what is he? Anyway, he's <laughs> he calls himself Death Rider. 
he calls himself Death Rider now. Okay. And he's got a sword instead of chains. And he looks like a knight as opposed to like a flaming skull. Anyway, he becomes that in, yeah, he goes by Death Rider. The old guy used to be called Necrosis. Okay. Whatever. He gets revealed as that in the last issue. And then the next issue we have is the Ghost Rider King in Black side story, which is Johnny running around with Mephisto in tow. Blackheart, who is Mephisto's son, is teamed up with Death Rider to go and fight demons because demons have been escaping hell to try to free Mephisto from damnation from Hotel Inferno in in Vegas. Johnny is going around trying to kill all the demons. It ends with, hey, Lilith is planning a coup to take over the hells. You can't, Danny, you or Johnny, you can't be the king of hell and chasing all these demons and fight Lilith at the same time. Better the devil you know, give Mephisto the mm. throne back. Sure. Like, so Mephisto's back on the throne as the king of hell. Of course. Danny that is was not going to last long. Again. No. And we'll see where that goes. Okay. The last one, last issue is Ghost Rider Return of Vengeance. And it's basically the story of Michael Badalino. Okay. He was, I guess, a ghostwriter. So he is just known as Vengeance. And he is the most 90s <laughs> looking oh, yes. anti-hero oh, my God. you've ever seen. He's got spikes all over the place. Yes, He's he does. Big and muscle bound, purple and red and a flaming skull and fangs and horns. Because why not? Spikes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. One of the cool things he did was he killed a bunch of demons and then used their bones to make a motorcycle. (laughs) (laughs) So that was fun. The 90s 90s were a hell of a ride. Yeah. But so the issue just exists to show how vengeance gets back to Earth. Okay. And his name is Vengeance. And that's all we've got. I don't know what else to tell you. But <laughs> Michael Badalino, I've never heard of him before. I didn't look up when he was introduced, but from his design, I'm going to say he was introduced in 1993. And we haven't <laughs> seen him since 1994. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's Ghost Rider Return of Blaze. It's literally just a collection of setting up what to look out for in the future of Ghost Rider. Sure. Not amazing. Okay. Okay, so Black Panther. And I'm going to have two examples of this in this stack, but I have a really cold take on what they're doing with Black Panther and Miss Marvel. Okay. And it seems like they're using these two titles to bring in famous author like acclaimed authors of color mm, mm-hmm. of either middle eastern or african-american right yeah background to have them tell a story that they want to tell within the marvel universe yeah and it's not working. i don't know you. how i feel about it yeah like primarily okay so black panther this is written by john ridley who wrote 12 years a slave oh okay and 
it's interesting, but it would have been better if Tanasi Coates didn't have his first run on Black Panther. Oh, wow. Okay. Because they're telling sort of the exact same story. <laughs> well, shit. So Coates had generally two runs on Black Panther. The first one was all about political intrigue and um, T'Challa being the king and then a faction of the Dormelage no longer believing in, in the king. And so they they rebel and become this elite fighting group to try to t- bring down the throne. And they team up with a couple outsiders that also have their own um, vendettas against the throne. Okay. The second run was the Intergalactic Empire of Wakanda. Yeah. Which was like a time travel, but not thing that basically culminated in T'Challa had spent time in space creating this intergalactic empire that is not Wakanda on Earth. It's right. just the galactic. It's like on the, he's created an empire that arguably rivals the other big names in the galactic right. realm. Shi'ar and et cetera. Yeah. Like multiple star systems worth yeah, of yeah. empire. That was weird. And it it just started <laughs> from an amnesiac T'Challa. Yeah. And all of the big names of Black Panther, like Shuri, mm-hmm. Okoye, Nakia, were titles of legends that you can earn. Right. It was odd and uh, yeah, not that. great. Yeah. And I feel like after I finished it, this is that's the run that I feel like I need to go and reread knowing where it's going mm, to okay. maybe appreciate it more. Sure. But anyway, this volume of Black Panther by John Ridley mm-hmm. is another, hey, this group no longer believes in Wakanda. Uh, oh, okay. We want to overthrow the government. Huh. <laughs> and it's, it's like, interesting that these that this is what that these creators would would go for like yeah i don't i don't understand that as the main impulse right and honestly there's a chance that i am poorly selling but the, this is my takeaways and impressions from what i read and yeah. i may not be taking the right message away okay in their defense because again these are like accomplished and acclaimed authors that they're bringing in. Sure. And so like, I want to believe in whatever message or story they want to tell. Right. right. It's just not, it's not clicking with me. Yeah. So it starts with a black ops only T'Challa knows about them group. Okay. That T'Challa basically spirited away from Wakanda and sent out as sleeper agents across the world to basically the idea behind them was as Wakanda becomes more and more a part of the international plane, international field, if any of the other major players on the planet become a quote-unquote problem, he has an agent within that area that can help destabilize, destabilize like black ops kind of thing. Sure. Okay. Uh, help destabilize whatever nation or power mm-hmm. is getting a little out of control. Sure. So two members have been meeting up in secret because they are uh, in love with each other. 
And while they're meeting, they get attacked by a group of assassins. And one of them dies. The other one goes and reports to T'Challa. And he's like, holy shit, what's going on? And that's when we find out about this secret group that he's been putting together. He goes and tells Shuri about it. And she's like, well, that's an dumb move but and he's like yeah somebody i'm the only one that knows about this program somebody else figured it out and is going around killing my agents i need to cut the program and okay. pull them back and so now it's a race against time him and the the last survivor going around uh to the other agents to try to get them away from whatever situation they're in and yeah. save them before they get killed Sure. At the same time, at the end of Intergalactic Empire, Conda trans- has transitioned from a monarchy to a democracy. Okay. That's a big shift. Yeah. And it's not going entirely well. <laughs> <laughs> Too many voices in the Wakandan Senate, basically. Sure. And T'Challa is there as sort of a figurehead, but also like a voice of authority. And he has the head of the Hatut, Hatut Zara. Oh, man. His <laughs> sure. base. Okay. So Dormelage are his all female elite squad of fighters. The Hatut okay. are the all male elite squad of fighters. Oh, okay. <laughs> they have white Black Panther suits. Like, okay. as far as design, and they have yeah, guns. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Whereas Dormelage have spears. So, he's going around, and he's trying to find those people. The head of the Hatut, uh, I want to say Zarape, but I know that's not right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the head of security is also representative in the Democratic government, and he keeps on telling T'Challa, you have to be here. Like, this is... This is not tenable. You need to uh-huh. be here to like quell the voices so progress can actually be made sure. within the government. Okay. On a third front, Steve Rogers has a conversation with T'Challa of just like, hey, your dedication to being the head of Avengers is mm-hmm. coming into question because mm. you're off going creating galactic empires. You're a head of a nation. You're not physically here leading the Avengers very much. Right. And T'Challa's like, don't worry. I've made a new commitment. I will be here. I am present. And then all this shit goes down. And so he reaches out to Steve and he's just like, <laughs> hey, about that. And, <laughs> and Steve's like, bro, like, we just, we just talked. talked about this. <laughs> and T'Challa's like, I just need you to trust me. And he said, and Steve's like, you will always have our trust. It's just your dedication. Okay. Like, that's what we're looking for here. Yeah. And so that's falling apart. Anyway, he goes to, uh, I don't want to, I'm not going to give the location away because okay. we haven't read this with in Reign of X yet. Oh, oh, <laughs> but oh, okay. He goes and visits some mutants and Gentle is there. Okay. Gentle is yeah. uh, Wakandan. And a he Wakandan is, mutant, yeah. Yes, but he's been exiled and banished from oh. Wakanda because he chose Krakoa. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. And so T'Challa shows up to go visit Aurora and Gentle's there. And he's like, F Wakanda, why the hell are you here? They have a little bout, whatever. T'Challa meets with Aurora on the side after their little scuffle. And it's just like, listen, like, I just, 
needed a place to catch my breath. I know that you guys are safe here. I needed to take a minute. And okay. Ro was just like, you know, you'll, you know, I love you endlessly. Yeah. We'll figure this out. If you need me, please let me know. He's like, I can't right now. It's a no. Don't, like, yeah. I can't tell you what's going on. Yeah. But thank you for your offer. Okay. And then after that conversation, he meets with Gentle and Gentle's just like, hello, my king. And what <laughs> turns out, Gentle is his mutant Krakoa sleeper agent. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. Okay, sick. <laughs> and so I've always wanted more Gentle. Gentle was such a good character, very, very, yeah. very, very briefly. Oh, wait, no. Gentle's great. There's another Krakoan mutant who's all, or Wakanda mutant who's also a great character. Uh, Shola, Shola and Kosei. Wait, is that Gentle? Uh, yeah, the one with the um, tattoos and gets big yeah, and hurts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. yes, 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 yes. Yeah, him. Yes. He's so, great. no, wait. Yeah. Shola is Genosian. My bad. Ah. Yeah, Gentle's name is Nezno. Yeah, N E Z H N. Yeah. Oh, or something like that. Yeah. Abidemi. Yeah. Okay. My yeah. Bad. So he meets up and T'Challa's just like, hey, one of the other guys been murdered. If you want, uh, I'm calling off the mission. If you want to come home, you're more than welcome. And he's like, I'm good here. Thank you for letting me know. My king. <laughs> My liege. <laughs> so they have a nice check in and then they peace out. So Shuri is investigating. The original crime scene finds, you know, some shrapnel from the explosion that went off, blah, blah, blah. She finds out that it is vibram- vibra- vibranium tech. Okay. And, you know, yada, 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 so on and so forth. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out that these elite assassins that are going around and killing this uh, Black Ops crew are led by the head of security, who is the head of the Hatet Sure. So... That is the primary conflict. At the same time, there's another village outside of, they're like in the country of Wakanda, but outside of the temple city, who consider themselves, quote unquote, the true Wakandans. Okay. Because where Wakanda, as we know it, grew to use vibranium as technology. Yeah. This group grew to learn to live with vibranium and they have like vibranium tattoos on their skin kind of like gentle kind of like gentle and so they have learned to like enhance their own physical abilities through vibranium and they have always been they consider them like thems consider them the like quote-unquote native americans of wakanda like native Wakandans. Sure, of sure, Wakanda. sure. The same way that like, if you think of like Native Americans and cowboys, cowboys are attached to their technology and are all about like building their buildings out of wood and tearing down nature and, you know, you know, using the tools that they create uh, instead of living with nature. Okay. And you have, Native Americans that are like, you use every single piece of the animal. Sure. Nothing, nothing goes to waste, yada, yada, yada. So this tribe is kind of like that. Okay. They live in huts. They farm. They make tattoos out of vibranium. <laughs> yeah. But so 
they have a very different view of Wakanda. Yeah. Anyway, we get introduced to this kid who is already told to us that he's going to be a player in this story, but we just get his backstory and then move on. Okay. His name is Tosin. And during a coup in the government where the Hattat Zaraz people are going to go and shoot some of the head delegates in the Wakanda government, Tosin stops them and protects them. Okay. So that's quote unquote, basically what's going on. We get a reveal that the Hattat do not believe in T'Challa and they are here to kill T'Challa. You okay. have T'Challa and Shuri on the other side, and you have Tosin, who is like a quote-unquote true Wakandan. We don't know what his role is going to be so far. Okay. That's, uh, that's quite a lot of factions here, back and forth. Yeah. And so the Hattat are chasing down T'Challa. He doesn't have his suit, but doesn't matter because he is T'Challa. And He's about to storm the Hattat, and that's when it says to be continued. Okay. I don't know. It's like, it would have been better if Coates' first run wasn't this. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's kind of my thing is like, there's a lot of similarities to a book that just got released two years ago. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So it's like, ah, it's too recent. Sure. So to go with that, we have Miss Marvel, Beyond the Limit by Samira Ahmed. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't entirely go anywhere, but do you? Okay. Okay. Did you, were you reading Miss Marvel when they discovered how her powers work? Uh, No, I don't believe so. I did. And I subsequently forgot. And I got (sighs) reminded in this because they're playing off of it more. Okay. But basically... The way her powers work in terms of where she's getting her mass, where right. she embiggens, yeah. is she is borrowing mass and energy from future timelines of herself. Huh. Okay. So she's silly. like, yeah, she's like quantum entangled to alternate Miss Marvels. Yeah. And she uses their, she like borrows energy and mass from them to make herself currently in big and, and stretch and all that kind of stuff so you're dealing Very with odd. the the counterplay of of now she's getting mass taken away from her so in this she stops somebody who is trying to basically pull rocks on and use create an infinite energy source that pulls energy from other dimensions in doing so it quantumly entangles her to this other girl who in her world, Miss Marvel was killed. Okay. And that girl gets brought to 616. And she basically has the same powers as Kamala. Okay. But when one of them is using their powers, the other one gets weak. And she starts going down the dark path because she blames Kamala for the death of her Miss Marvel because mm. the quantum explosion entanglement thing happened as her realities miss marvel passed away and sure. so she's t- she ties the two to the whole thing anyway uh, the only other i don't know it ends with catching the girl and shunting her to her alternate reality and 
everything is back to normal. Like there, okay. there's no major takeaway here. Sure. But one thing that I have noticed with Miss Marvel books and something that they love to keep on showing, they always have a future Kamala where she becomes the president of the United States. <laughs> uh-huh. In like three for sure, maybe four different books with a potential future Kamala. She is the president. I think that's fun. Are they just trying to get the country ready for Kamala Harris? I don't know. This was before Kamala Harris. Sure. Well, before she was vice president. Yes. As far as like some of the times we've seen her. Yeah. Be the president. Of the United States. Yeah. It's just kind of one of those like cool things about the like power and belief in Kamala. Like, the characterization that we've been given of Kamala Khan is like passionate and spirited yes. and only ever really cares about doing the right thing. And so mm-hmm. we introduced her as like a high school teenager and to know that, you know, 35 years in her future, <laughs> she's yeah. more than likely going to be a president. I think that's, that's just a lot of fun. And yeah. the fact that multiple writing teams multiple timelines concur yeah yeah see that as one of her potential futures is really fun that is cool but yeah it's just overall the book was not great it Mm. mainly because it introduced a problem and solved the problem within the story but then also didn't show any like character growth or Uh. introduction of a new idea or anything like that okay yeah and it was just like let's tell a story so we can tell a story yeah, and just it didn't entirely work for me. That's a bummer. Yeah, because I, I mean, I love this. Oh, you know what? No, there is one person that I guess they left. The <laughs> guy. <laughs> so there is some guy. The whole reason why all this happened is because there's some guy in a cloak jacket thing that was trying to steal the infinite energy dimensional thing. Okay. And the last two pages, he has this weird symbol on his back that completely gives him away. But like, he <laughs> next, next thing is, there, bud. right. But so like, he ended up getting the little drive that he was looking for. And he just says, you know, those kids thought they were so clever. Miss Marvel's meddling might have destroyed my chance to harness Marvel G's power. Marvel G was Miss Marvel in the other universe, but it provided just the distraction I needed to get something even more valuable. And then his little orb starts to glow. And then you see shots of four other Miss Marvel versions. And he says, they laughed. They said it couldn't be done. They oh, no. Laughing anymore. And, like, I don't get it. <laughs> um, and Because here we are he, laughing at he's this He's the guy. takeaway. Yeah. yeah. Okay. He's the takeaway. It, it, whatever the symbol is on his back, and sure, he's, there's a symbiote Miss Marvel. There's a Kang oh, Miss Marvel. Oh, man. There's a plus-size Miss Marvel, and there's okay. a, like, Afro Miss Marvel. Okay. And we have no idea what his plan is. We have no idea what his name is. We have no idea if he's connected to anybody. <laughs> uh-huh. We'll see what happens. Sure. Yeah, okay. So Avengers Forever. Forever. This is Avengers Forever Volume 1. Forever. People on TikTok are not a fan of this book. Okay. I can see why. <laughs> 
Okay. This is Jason Aaron running off of his run on Avengers. Huh, okay. So we got introduced at the end of the last Avengers volume to that like multiversal brotherhood of evil people. Right. (laughs) There was like Black Skull, Kid Thanos, the doom above all. (laughs) There was Killmonger in in a destroyer armor. There was a destiny with a Phoenix force and a ghost rider green goblin was this team. Sure. So the first part of this book is basically kind of looking at the world where the black skull came from. Okay. And this is red skull with the null symbiote. (laughs) <laughs> Great. Perfect idea. No notes, A+. Plus. <laughs> just yeah. a, let's, let's just compound a bad thing with a bad thing. Cool. Yeah. Dude. So, <laughs> in this world, the prehistoric Avengers get messed up. They get killed. Okay. Prehistoric Avengers is like Odin, Phoenix Force, the first Ghost Rider. You know, like, yeah. they're like legacy powers that we've talked about that Jason Aaron has been obsessed with. Right, right, right. Odin in his dying breath tells Mjolnir to avenge him. And then it gets the inscription. Whosoever holds this hammer, if they be worthy, shall possess the power of all vengeance. Huh? I don't know what that means. Anyway, (laughs) this is on earth 818. And Tony Stark is Ant-Man. So he has little robotic ants, which are like his buddies. Okay. And in this universe, he's an archaeologist. And he's going around. He's found like the legend of the prehistoric Avengers. And so he's like looking for relics uh, of evidence. And he finds Mjolnir. And it doesn't accept him. But he keeps it. This world is run by, at this point in time, it's already taken over by Black Skull. And sure. he has War Machine, uh, Punisher War Machines as his like death force. Anyway, we come across Robbie Reyes, Ghost Rider. There is something special about this Ghost Rider, about this Robbie Reyes. This is 616's Robbie Reyes, by the way. <laughs> oh, okay. Because at the end of Avengers, Deathlock shows up and is like going around trying to recruit Avengers because Deathlock is like time police, but not the TVA. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) So they're trying to like set the timeline straight and timeline has been messed up by this evil team. And so he takes, I guess he takes Robbie Reyes to go and deal with Black Skull. Okay. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand what's happening. And I understand why people <laughs> hate the series. But, but Robbie Reyes and his Hell Charger and Deathlock are going around cleansing this world of its bad evilness. And uh-huh. Robbie has Robbie has fully embraced being the spirit of vengeance. Okay. And Deathlock says there's something different about this Robbie. And by the end of this book, he is now called the All Writer. <laughs> I think 
I think the reason why he has that title is because he has turned the most number of things into his Hellrider. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, Liz, it's like the All Father. It's just Marvel is quickly getting to the point where it's like suffix plus just like let's combine every prefix and every suffix to make as many characters as it's, as many derivative characters as we possibly can. He fucking so in the first volume of Jason Aaron's Avengers, he uses a celestial as his ride. Yeah. So like he's like, kind of a big that deal. Out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> so, and by the end of this, he takes Black Skull's symbiote and turns it into his next Hell Rider. <laughs> if you want to go take a ride. <laughs> How dare you quote my go-to karaoke song in reference to this random-ass tragedy that is Avengers Forever. <laughs> oh, man. Uh- a lot happens, but I don't know what to care about. Sure. So I imagine I may end up retroactively referred to this in future volumes. Yeah. <laughs> but the Avengers of this world that have been working with Tony are Moon Knight, okay. who is a black lady, okay. a half-built Vision, okay. who he kept half-built because... Something something didn't want him to become more than just a robot. Okay. That makes perfect sense. <laughs> oh yeah. Simon Williams. Uh-huh. The only kind of movies the Waste Lord allows are ones where people get forcefully irradiated and have to fight each other to death. By the time he escaped his cinematic slavery, Simon Williams had become the world's biggest movie star, the blood-drenched <laughs> Wonder Man. Sure. You ready for this one? Yeah. Yeah, the last on one me. is the last one is Ben Grimm, renegade astronaut, went searching the stars for something he could use to save the world. Came back as uh-huh. the Infinity Thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was so colorful. Yeah. Glitter bomb thing. I so love he it. He is Infinity Gauntlet thing. Yeah, he's got those Thanos star eyes. Yeah, yeah. So cool. That's, that's the Avengers of Earth Jason Aaron is, is just wilding right now. He is. Just... <laughs> he really is. <laughs> so anyway, they all team up with the All Rider to beat Black Skull. They win. Robbie uses the Skull's symbiote to create his new Hell Charger, and then at the end, other Black Skulls show up. Okay. From other universes. Yeah. And he says, are these the ones who caused you to fall, brother? We shall have red revenge in your name. For if one skull falls, a thousand more shall take his place. Okay. And so six other black skulls show up. One very much like this one. Another one dressed up like Captain America slash Britain. Okay. One that's just in a suit. One that's dressed up like a knight, one that uses the the carnage (laughs) symbiote, and one that looks like Holocaust. Yeah. (laughs) Lack of a better reference. (laughs) Because he's a giant floating skull inside of a tank head. 
Perfect. <laughs> what else can you possibly want? Jason. Oh, man, for sure. Jason Aaron. Man. Man. He, Jason oh, Aaron. yeah. I mean, yeah. you thought Echo Phoenix and like Cosmic Ghost Rider. And no, he was just stapling every single character to every single other character and saying, fucking deal with it. <laughs> I have to say, I don't yeah. think I like this approach, but you know, I, yeah. I find I, I'm not the one reading it. basically okay so it ends with the the granddaughters of thor from the from future thor they all show up because mjolnir wants to go somewhere and so they tie a ship to mjolnir and it takes them through the cosmos to 818 and they help fight the other six black skulls by the way i'm just thinking of the 818 area code like i'm just (laughs) yeah that's fine (laughs) they win (laughs) yeah the three granddaughters take this all vengeance mjolnir and add it to their collection and now two mjolnirs are taking their ship off to the next yeah whatever the next multiversal fight they need to go do is because fuck you that's why Mm -hmm. oh infinity thing says it's rebuilding time (laughs) no (laughs) it's a man of few words but it's always some sort of time at the end of it it's rebuilding time oh my god yeah this sounds truly bad it see that's the thing if you just don't think it's fun and like ooh 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 yeah yeah but the second you're like wait (laughs) (laughs) this is always my problem it's my problem in life yeah anyway hell charger is back in the cosmos and then at the center of infinity moon knight and vision are hanging out wherever this planet is you have an off panel quote says a moon knight and vision good we can always use more of those avenger prime will be happy and they're like what in the name of Kanshu? what happened where are we there were portals and black skulls and um this isn't our home we've got to go back believe me that's all any of us want but no one's going home not until this war is won even if it takes forever and it's captain carter a hawkeye that looks like a purple robin hood and a war machine with a black widow symbol breeding them. Uh-huh. I mean, at a certain point you've strained the the it it goes beyond like, oh that's cool. Oh, that's cool. And just like, okay, dude. Sure. Keep keep going. Yeah. <laughs> so we get to issue five. Issue uh-huh. five has nothing to do with the story we just learned about. Okay. <sighs> this is the introduction to the Doom Above All. And why he is considered the Doom above all. And also, he's not Doom from 616, mm. which is wild. Yeah. Which, which goes against my mm-hmm. engine... <laughs> concordance engine. <laughs> concordance engine thing from before. But whatever. I'm never yeah. going to forget about it. Okay. <laughs> so this Doom, it starts off with a little monologue from him. Removing his mask. And he says, do not avert your eyes or the ability to do so will be taken from you. Do not beseech me for the mercy of murder. Do not go mad until I give you leave. And (laughs) rest assured, you will go mad. No one can see what you are about to see and still cling to any semblance of sanity. That is why you are here. 
to see until the horror behind every scar has revealed itself to you until you comprehend all that i am only then will i allow you the honor of groveling before me (laughs) as a soul gutted heap of whimpers at the feet of doom let us begin wow yeah and so flashes back to 1 million BC on Earth 91, which is the planet of the Man-Things. And you have the prehistoric Man-Thing Avengers. And they all get wrecked by this evil team. The, they're called the Multiversal Masters of Evil. Okay. Sorry. I forgot what they're called now. I That's, know. Anyway. Yeah. Hardly <laughs> of consequence, but sure. Yeah. So everyone's doing their banter, taking everyone out, yada, yada, yada. Um, They're trying to determine whose earth this is, like who gets the spoils. Okay. And then they talk about how Doom never involves himself in this conversation. And he's like, leave me out of your squabbles. And they're like, come on, man, what's up? And he's like, I'm Doom. And I've claimed all that I require from the speck of rock. Pick the bones however you like. Come to find out that whenever he, whenever they go to a new prehistoric Earth to destroy the prehistoric Avengers, he travels to that Earth's future and picks the Doctor Doom from that Earth and takes it back to his citadel. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so he's going every Earth they go to. He collects the only thing of importance, which is that reality's Doctor Doom. So he has collected this man thing dr doom i think it's called man doom or doom thing i don't remember they have a conversation and this doom clearly you know man man doom is doom and so he is conceited he is arrogant he's like please you think you could stop me and then doom above all is like well let's bring in the other let's bring in the guards and he's like oh please are you kidding me you you think you can stop me with a bunch of with a bunch of facsimiles, facsimiles, a bunch of doom bots. He burns <laughs> some of them and he's like, wait, these aren't doom bots as like flesh is melting on his hand. Because the whole thing with man thing is if you know fear, you will burn at the man thing's touch. Right, 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 right. Okay. Yep. And doom above all is like, no, they're definitely not. And so now you have one doom versus like eight other dooms. <laughs> yeah. The one Doom's going to lose. So <laughs> yeah. they tie him back up. And he's like, all right, let's continue. And so then he's talking about another Earth that he went to where it was the prehistoric Avengers were all giants, like hundreds of feet tall. <laughs> okay, sweet. And so he plucked the giant Doom from that universe and broke him. And then he talks about how he, that this is literally what he does. He goes to the different Earths. He conquers them, he makes them his, and he like destroys them. And so now he says, now do you see? Do you see me? I confess, I've begun to wonder what it might feel like to be seen without someone having to die in the... And he says, please, please stop. Please don't make me look anymore. And they say, it says, take him down. And doom things like, I am your doom to command now and forever. All hail the doom above all. He says, and so he gives him a sword, says, remove your tongue, then clean up the mess. He says, at once, my lord. And he cuts off his own tongue and he joins the ranks of the dooms. And then you get this, (laughs) you get this monologue dialogue box. 
And so the slaughter of the prehistoric heroes will continue. The bickering for Earth's Mephisto's grand machinations for the fate of the multiverse. Petty things all. The doom above all knows there is a flood that is coming that will wash away the works of man. And he alone sees that which is most precious from all of creation, that which mourns being saved. Behold, the salvation of all dooms. And <laughs> as that's happening, he's walking. he walks by his guards, who are the dooms that live. And then he's going through the slaughterhouse of all the dooms that failed. And they're all impaled on spikes and dead and hanging. Jesus. <laughs> the salvation of all dooms, of the doom thing, of the giant-sized doom, of every doom throughout from throughout the multiverse, even of a once lost doom like me. I am <laughs> I am <laughs> I am doom, the living planet. And I too once beheld the face of the fiercest doom to ever live. <laughs> The only doom capable of breaking other dooms. All hail the doom above all. All hail the doom of dooms. Um, so their base of operations is on doom the living planet. Oh my god. Wow. Jason Aaron, wow. Jason Aaron is just going ham. Just absolutely wilding. Yeah. So that's Avengers Forever. Yeah. The multiversal masters of evil and then the doom above all has his own army of dooms. I don't know how that ends. <laughs> Is there a crossover coming here? It feels like there's, there's it feels like there's be... going to be a big event, but I don't yeah. know if it, I feel like it's going to be centered within Avengers? Avengers. Okay. So the 2022 crossover event is called Devil's Reign. Mm. And it is it seems to be Fisk oriented. Oh cool. So it started in December 2021 and ended May 2022. And the first side book of Devil's Reign is out. It's Spider-Woman. Um, but the main book hasn't come out yet. So I'm waiting to read that. Okay. Captain America and Iron Man, Armor and the Shield. Nothing huge to write home about. The two of them have a team up and deal with a team of forgotten heroes from the 50 State Initiative. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It's... It is a forgotten. <laughs> right? Yeah. And it's just, it's the banter between the two is cool. And Cap compliments Tony on the creation of the initiative and that it was a good idea that heroes do need training. It was literally just the government oversight that he didn't agree with. Mm -hmm. And they make references to uh, Iron Man 29. Wow. Wait, yeah. which Iron Man 29? Like 60s Iron Man 29? Yeah. Wow. Because the quote, the main bad in this is a character called the Overseer and okay. Myrmidon. So Myrmidon the robot is the muscle behind the so-called quote-unquote supercomputer called the Overseer in the Caribbean, big and strong, and then blasted to scrap. Thanks to Tony in Iron Man number 29. It's a long time ago. And then, yeah. And that scrap had been in shield custody until the evil version of you, Captain, took over. Now we suspect it's in Veronica Eden's possession. Secret Empire 1 through 10 is when Cap took over. Anyway, so Veronica Eden was your classic up-and-coming up tech lady back in the day. Tried to meet up with Tony to get her foot in the tech door. They sleep together. He sure. keeps her in the dust. So she goes, she actually goes, he 
he says, fine, and introduces her to S.H.I.E.L.D. So she does S.H.I.E.L.D. for a little bit, and then she defects and goes to HYDRA. And as one does now, she's trying to create her own Hydra. Okay. As like you do. Yeah. And she is using this team of would be heroes to do her like bidding, basically, in the background under the guise of it's all for a good cause because she met the overseer and overseer. Fell in love with Veronica, and she's like, okay, let's take over the world, yada, yada, yada. So they use the Myrmidon to create an enemy for the bad guys to fight, but all as a guise for her true plan, yada, 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 yada. Okay. Anyway, uh, (laughs) there's a helicarrier. There's multiple Myrmidons. The bad guys get disillusioned. They get saved from their mistakes by cap and iron man cap and iron man take down veronica the overseer betrays veronica because she's a human Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) (laughs) just nothing really to write home about it just ends with veronica losing obviously and then her getting cornered in a an alley by zemo okay where that goes sure yeah just okay. like basically it was a chance to revive some throwback characters to yeah. tell a random one-off story and yeah. Cool. Amazing Spider-Man Beyond Volume 4 is touted as the finale of Beyond is here. Hey, good. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> so we get introduced to, you know, Queen Goblin and that this is the picture that I sent you. Of Pete being like, I'm pretty sure the oh, mutants goblin have much queen. scarier Goblin Queen. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, Queen Goblin. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> but she does have. She's got a Goblin gaze. And, oh, we find out. You know, so it's Doctor Kafka. Yada yada yada. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's. I'm like flipping through as I talk, and nothing's really standing out here. Man, but it's the end of something. <laughs> I know. So, because, okay, things that happen in volume three. Okay. Ben had his psychological break. So he thought, he found out about all the evil machinations of Beyond and wants to uh, defect. And then they're like, well, no, that's not happening. And so they removed his memory again. So (laughs) Because they removed his memory. Sounding like Alpha Flight. (laughs) Right. They wiped his memory of his time as the Jackal. Which was honestly the most interesting part of his backstory, <laughs> because the jackal created Ben Riley, and so yeah, yeah. eventually he took over and killed Miles Warren, right? The jackal, and that was the whole thing behind clone conspiracy. And then, like death, we in his time. In Vegas, when he is back as Scarlet Spider, he has a run-in with Death, and she talks about how she's obsessed with him because he is the one being in the universe who has died the most times. <laughs> <laughs> and so she like she's intrigued by him because she can't have him continually. And right. so like it's it's like anyway, just there's so much about his character that people have run with that is really interesting he's met actual like biblical angels and Uh saw 
the workroom where full of cubicles where angels were answering prayers. Like this is <laughs> uh, <laughs> he and Nightcrawler and Ghost Rider are like yeah. the only characters who have had interactions with biblical heaven. <laughs> <laughs> and like to remove all of that is just so annoying, but whatever. Yeah. Kafka got given the sins, the physical sins of Osborne because beyond had the physical like symbiote sins. And that's what they put onto Kafka to create queen goblin. Okay. And that's a thing (laughs) by the end of this. Pete is back in action. He has generally recovered from his radiation inside, which is bothersome because we never learned what that was. Mm. Like it was, yeah, it was like a life threatening superhero debilitating thing that took him off the board for 25 or for 20 issues. And they're just like, okay, he's back. And they spent last volume with black hat and cap training him on his way back. Right. But like, by the end of the last volume, he wasn't in tip-top shape. And so, like, I don't know. I understand that after every epic Spider-Man run, you have to give him a reset. <laughs> right. <laughs> I get that. <laughs> but, like, I don't know. It, it felt rushed. Or, okay. like, they knew what they wanted to do as far as the reset for Pete. But I think they ran out of time or commercial, like, mm. way. Like, it almost felt like they planned a five-volume arc, but then Marvel was like, hey, you get four volumes. (laughs) That's a bummer. Yeah. But anyway. (laughs) Other things, without connecting dots, because it'll take too long, Beyond created a monster of the DNA from the lizard and Morbius. Okay. Okay. Because those were the other two characters that they had crossed paths with in yeah. the other Beyond volumes. Colleen Wing and Misty fought it and won. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Also, I think you'll like this. So in a previous volume, we saw that Misty and Colleen were working with Monica Rambeau. Yeah. Because reasons. And <laughs> while they're doing this, so everyone's like, okay, we got to take Beyond down because they're bad. So Monica shows up at a compound and finds behind a locked door someone who likes to call people fleshy ones. Hey, Aaron Stack, (laughs) machine man. Aaron Stack, machine man. And she's like, hey, so you remember remember Beyond? Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. You want to take him down? (laughs) He sure the fuck does. (laughs) So he's so okay. Last time we saw Aaron Stack was in Iron Man 2020. He was dating Jocasta or Jocasta, however you want to pronounce it. They broke up. And so he's been drinking himself himself into a drunken, depressed stupor. Mm -hmm. As he likes as drunk as his his robot brain needs beer. Exactly. So Monica kicks him into shape and is like, well, let's go take out Beyond. They have a lot of fleshy parts. And he's like, okay. So (laughs) it's just fun because there's a conversation between a a hologram of of Maxine shows up. 
And she's like, hmm, so the chickens have indeed come to roost next wave or two-fifths of next wave at any rate. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Actually, I don't know how the fractions work if a robot doesn't have a head because (laughs) it was just the body of Aaron because his head went to go hack something. Anywho. Oh, she's so Monica says, oh, hey, Maxine, nice to be the call. Save me the quarter. It's like a payphone joke. Good God. How old are you? 65? (laughs) Anyway, Monica reveals all of her machinations to bring Beyond down. Maxine gets pissed. And they just had a fun little uh, next wave call out. Yay. Yeah. Pete is trying to convince or trying to work with Ben. He's got a lot of holes in his memory. And so they're trying to figure out what's going on with him. Sure. It ends with Pete or Ben sacrificing himself to save Pete in like a collapsing building situation. Okay. And then there's this like psychoreactive goo and his girlfriend whose name escapes me right now, Janine is in the sewer trying to look for Ben psychoreactive goo starts to come together and create a new existence for itself. And he kind of comes together months later. We see, Oh, okay. Before that, I guess Pete and MJ this is okay. Weeks later, Pete and MJ are that are together, and Pete's gonna go for like an exercise run or something. And MJ is like, she floats the idea of, "Do you want to move in with me?" No, oh. right? And then before they get to finish that conversation, some bright light person shows up outside their window and says, "A road of bad blood. A, a road of blood led to you. Come with me." Pete says, who are, and then a bright light flashes, and then that's it. Okay. Then months down the line, Ben is in the bathroom. Uh, Ben is back. He's in the bathroom looking at a mirror, puts on a purple Spider-Man mask, and he starts, like, Rorschaching all over the place. (laughs) And Janine is like, wait, Ben, what's going on? And so this is actually a popular thing. So when Ben is, like, looking at people whose memories have been scrubbed, that he doesn't remember anymore. Uh-huh. This is what he sees is this like black hole face. Okay. On people. Sure. And so now he sees it on himself. Huh. And so he's freaking out. So he puts on the mask to try to hide it. And then he breaks out the window and just says, no, Ben is gone. And where you were, there's only a chasm. And so this is the new Ben Riley, no longer Scarlet spider, but now I guess his name is chasm. <laughs> sure. I don't, I don't get the name, but sure. Yeah, that, well, I, it's just a reference to the lack of memories. Yeah, head, the holes in his head. Right. But no, I don't, I don't get it either. <laughs> okay. But same as Chasm now. No more Scarlet Spider, but we still have Kane Scarlet Spider. So I guess eventually <laughs> we had to get rid of one of them. Yeah. I don't know where that's going, but back to Peter Parker, Amazing Spider-Man. But I don't. But we'll see what comes from that bright light thing. The next volume of Amazing, I think, is soon. So okay, see what happens. Yeah. <sighs> okay, six books down, four <laughs> to go. <laughs> Black Widow, volume three. This is the Black Widow that in the first volume, she got brainwashed and had 
a genetic actual baby and a husband and was living a regular life in Right. God, LA. that's been a long time. Yeah. And then she teamed up with Yelena and she has their base of operations called The Web. And she also has consistent cameos by Bucky and Hawkeye. Okay. And then in volume two, we get introduced to this guy who is giving artificial powers to people, but then they're like burning out and are dying and turning to goo. And Perfect. she saves two people. One is like his power is basically kind of forge. Like if he puts okay. his mind to it, he can do tech. Yeah. yeah and yeah. then this other girl whose arms are all electricity and she has electric powers. And then she's also since brought in Spider-Woman, Anya Corazon, Corazon, yeah, who used to be Aranya. Yeah, yeah. And she had this like care piss thing and then it got ripped off of her. And then Julia Gross. Carpenter became Madam Web. And so she gave her <laughs> old costume to Anya. Yeah, and she's yeah, now Spider-Woman. Yeah. All right. It's a whole thing. So, yeah. Yes. So anyway, so now it's Yelena and Natasha and this girl who I really should just Lucy is her name. And she does she doesn't know what her call sign is gonna be yet. But Lucy, Spider-Woman, Yelena, and Natasha are all training and living at the web. And they get introduced to well, they go and basically fight the next villains who are elite people and so they like do like human trafficking and they ends up they're connected to the cult that they stopped before that were giving out powers introduced to these two twins who one is really small and one is really big and they are fraternal twins like the identical twins but one's a Uh woman one's a man yeah yeah and we find out that they can they share each other's mass so huh. one can be small and one is the, the one is super muscular, but like they share a total of like 100%. Okay. So if huh. one of them goes 100, the big. other will die. Yeah. Okay. And they are connected to the human trafficking ring. And so there's a gala that they're hosting. And so everyone dresses up in super cool gala outfits, something that's a fun preview for when we read Hellfire Gala. You you pronounce it Gala? Yes. Okay. Do you, do you say Gala? I said Gala at Magic like last week, and people were making fun of me. So <laughs> I just wanted to check in. I've heard both, but I mm. personally naturally say Gala. Wait, no, maybe I said Gala. My whole shit's fucked up now. I have no idea. <laughs> Well, anyway, does not matter. Yeah. The last thing is the elite assassin that is there at the end of one of the issues is, God, what was his name? It's like the steel blade, the living blade. Okay. Legendary assassin who was there in the early days of Black Widow doing other assassinations in Majapur. Okay. She's... You know, quote unquote, yada, yada, yada. (laughs) She's the only one to ever get away. Okay. So on and so forth. Uh, Because why did he get away? Why did she get away? (laughs) She got away because she cut down some electric wires to separate them and he dove out of the way and she got away. 
Okay. But he was easily the better fighter of the two okay. at the time. So anyway, Living Blade shows up again now in the future, in the present. Oh, I guess Living Blade finds her again, and she was guarding these four girls who were like trapped in this drug ring, blah, blah, blah. And so he cornered her. She was blocking the girls. He sees the girls and he says until next time and walks away, lets her live. And she's like bloodied and messed up. Okay. So cut to the present. He's still alive, obviously. And he's just like, Hey, we have to like finish this little duel that we've got going on. She's like, okay. (laughs) Anyway, it's a fun it's a fun book and yeah if this was the only book i read i would spend time talking about like the little like banter between the characters and Uh like the the writing is good the art direction is good the use of like dark pages and light pages and just the use of color in general is really good yeah yeah i honestly i do highly recommend people read this one cool it ends with (laughs) <laughs> Yelena fighting Living Blade and getting his ass getting her ass handed. Uh, Natasha coming back and helping out, and then it becomes a six on one, <laughs> and Living Blade is like, "All right, I'm out." And it ends with them eating the gala food because the gala got crashed and everyone's gone. And the only other thing worth talking about is when Natasha got her memory back in Volume One, she asked Bucky to hide her husband and child and she looked into where they are okay just to make sure that they're still alive because she yeah, like, yeah. really misses them right and so because of that bucky had to move them again okay and she's like i'm sorry i just yeah um, i can't I like I, it was a moment of weakness and yeah it's a good it's a good it's a it's a good book it's worth cool. it's worth checking out happily surprised because other Black Widow books I've had um, in the last 20-something years just haven't been that great. Hmm. And uh, I was happily surprised with this run by, cool. I think this is Thompson. Uh, yeah, yeah, Kelly Thompson. Excellent. I guess I like Kelly Thompson. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's, that's, that's an upside of, of paying attention to creators. Right? <laughs> Miles Morales... It's funny, I was going to say Miles Morales Spider-Man, but the title is really just called Miles Morales. Uh-huh. Beyond. And so the last volume... Everybody's got Beyond. A cease, yeah, he got a cease and desist from the Beyond Corporation That's for using right. the term Spider-Man. Yep. And then also he has this clone named Shift, who the assessor created three clones of Miles two volumes ago. Two of them died. One was Salim, and the other was something else. Salim just being Miles backwards. Right. The other two died. Miles's baby sister sneezing on shift helped helped stabilize his genetic makeup. And so he still lives. Yeah. Okay. So when Miles did the team up with Ben Riley, he noticed some tech that looked like tech from the assessor. And so he brought it back to Genki. And they're taking a look and uh, yeah, Assessor kidnapped and tortured Miles back in Miles Morales Spider-Man number eight. Uh, And so they tracked to where it was made from. It was made at a place called Asset Analysis, 
which is just the most boring company name I've ever heard. I love it though. It's such a like, <laughs> yeah, it just, just yeah. The, 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 the most boring places are the most evil places for sure. Mm-hmm. So Miles and Shift go and infiltrate and they see that it is a big ass place that, so the boring asset analysis place was a giant hologram they just saw <laughs> the projectors and it's a menacing place they go in they come across quantum who's the guy who has the space infinity gem oh oh who okay. works for the assessor last time we saw quantum was in a team up between miles and iron man in infinite reality or infinite destinies to see who has the space gem Okay. He fights Quantum. Quantum gets away. Shift and Miles come across the Assessor, and they fight the Assessor. Assessor is just a robot program, and there's a lot of them. So here's... <laughs> I took a picture of this, and I didn't send it, but it's really <laughs> bothersome. So they're just kind of going through the, the motions here. Sure. But they're, <laughs> to get from point A to point B, Miles opens up a door into a giant computer room and it's legitimately just computers, right? Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to send it to you in our chat. Okay. (laughs) He says, because I want, I need you to see the computers. Okay. (laughs) So as it's coming in, Uh he opens up a room and sees a bunch of computers and his takeaway, his reaction to these computers is, are these dimensional monitors? What? You just know immediately? <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, I just, like, again, I get that you're just trying to get to the next step in your story. Right. But like. <laughs> but come the fuck on. So the page before, he's ending his fight with quantum and the mask gets removed and you see the actual person. And he says the things I did for him, I'm getting the hell out of here. Miles says, Hey, wait, did you say beyond like that corporation? And he says, you should check out the black doors goes away. Miles says black doors. What? And then shift off picture says, Hey, and then he goes shift. Wait, they open up a door. Miles says, what, what? Are these dimensional monitors? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and then the next page, oh, he's boy. at one of the computers and says, Yeah, these monitors, they're keeping tabs on what's in different dimensions, like a catalog. This must be how they're gathering all the weird tech for beyond. I need to tell Peter and Ben about this. They need, wait, oh my God. <laughs> and so, like, <laughs> oh my God. <sighs> anyway, he comes across the monitor file that's keeping an eye on his uncle Aaron who is dead oh so he's like yep screw beyond we're gonna go and look for my uncle Aaron so they open up a dimensional portal and jump through a door to go find uncle Aaron enter a multi-dimensional quantum leap story where (laughs) he goes looking for his uncle Aaron okay he goes to an alternate dimension of the wild wild west and comes across a guy named King, who is the T'Challa Black Panther of this universe, but he is the sheriff of the Wild West. 
technically we met him in the last run of Exiles. And by we, oh. I mean I, because this was before we started <laughs> doing the pod. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and they go on a ride and they come across this, this universe's tombstone. They have a fight and then they see a hole in the dimensions. And so they go through the portal to go look for Aaron. Then they come across Spider-Ham's universe and they come across <laughs> Spider-Ham. They're like, hey. And then they come across the next portal and then they leaves. And then they go to a world where the zombie outbreak has happened. And then they find their next portal and they go through that. And then they come across to the end of the universe and they get greeted by Ultimatum, who is this guy who's been obsessed, who's Miles Morales from 616, who is obsessed with the Ultimate Universe and has a bunch of tech relics from Ultimate. Okay. The only reason why that can happen is because at the end of Secret Wars, the last two universes were 616 and 1610 Ultimate. Right. And 616 got saved and created. So the realm where 616 was, was a jumble mashup of Ultimate and 616. Right. And then at the end of it, when they recreated 616, pieces of Ultimate were still here. Molecule Man specifically saves Maz Morales, and there are other pieces here. Anyway, the last issue is annual number one, which was a team up with Talisman that we've already covered before. <laughs> okay. Hawkeye Kate Bishop. Unfortunately. <laughs> unfortunately? No, don't say unfortunately. I almost don't remember anything from this book. Oh, okay. Oh. Basically, she has a team up with her sister. Okay. Her sister gets her to go to this swanky resort where bad things be happening. And so, yeah. Lucky's here, which is fun. Oh, cool. Pizza dog. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's all like circus themed. And so she has a bunch of <laughs> texts to Clint talking about how she hates the circus because he used to be in the circus. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So the main bad here is Pascal Tybalt. Okay. No who's idea basically who she's basically female ringleader. Like okay, they they gender shifted basically the the evil circus. They did a female ringleader, and then they did a female, basically kind of Hawkeye. She's basically. A hand-to-hand fighter with arrows sticking out of her head. I don't know her thing, but that's that's what she looks like. I don't know what else to tell you. Okay. <laughs> Legitimately has five arrows sticking out of her hair. Yeah, you know what? Sure. <laughs> yeah. But this, uh, like, just kind of big picture. I'm not, I don't like the trope of, like, if you have a female protagonist, you have to have female antagonists. Yeah. It happens a lot. It does happen a lot. But I honestly, like, I assume it comes from not wanting to have a clip taken out of context of a man punching the shit out of a woman. Right. Like, I get it, but like, it's, it just, yeah, it's just annoying sometimes. She ends up calling in Stinger, who's Cassie Lang and America, America Chavez. It's funny. So when she first got introduced, her tag was Miss America. Yeah. Yeah. But she doesn't really go by that anymore. I feel like she's just America Chavez now. 
Yeah. Anyway, they have their team up and they have their big duel. The bad guys get tied up and Lucky's a good boy. Oh, he is a good boy. Lucky is a good boy. But like nothing major happened. Like I legit if I I if you asked me in two months <laughs> about this book, I would yeah. not be able to tell you anything about it. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah. It's it's it sucks because Kate Bishop is awesome. Yeah. It's also just it also sucks because it's for lack of a better phrase, it's a waste of resources. Mm. <laughs> At least quote unquote, with like the Miss Marvel one shot, you have a new villain maybe showing up later. Mm-hmm. Or like a ghost rider. Now we have vengeance walking around. Or like Amazing Spider-Man ends with Chasm. Like, or like Captain America and Iron Man. Now Veronica Eden is either killed or kidnapped or teamed up with Zemo. Like, yeah. there's at least something that you might have something to play off of later. Uh, there's nothing in this Hawkeye book. Damn, that's a that's a real bummer. I agree. Okay. Okay. X Men Legends Volume Two. X Men Legends Volume Two. Got to give the people what they want. Hell yeah! So the first three issues take place. This story takes place prior to Wolverine 1988, number 69. So okay. this is Wolverine let me, let and Jubilee. Get my wiki foo here going. <laughs> so Wolverine and Jubilee in Osaka, Japan. Okay. I'm not sure what lore they're trying to create here, but... Who's the, who's the creative team? Oh, sorry. Yeah, that's a good question. This is Larry Hama and Billy Larry Tan. Hama. And, and who? <laughs> Billy Tan is the artist. This also makes reference to Wolverine number 33, where he had taken out Daikumo before I gave him his crew and their just desserts. Okay. Anyway, so he got a contact from someone who just defected from that group. And there are these two girls who were kidnapped and they're both mutants. And the people who kidnapped them are working with Lady Deathstrike. Yuriko herself. Sure. Which which means the hand are involved. And so you have a bunch of ninjas in fighting. <laughs> so Lady Deathstrike is the antagonist here. And we get introduced to this little girl. She can teleport. Okay. She can teleport with contact. And she can teleport anywhere. At least anywhere on planet. Okay. I'm trying to look for their names. I, f- I don't honestly. Anyway, they're trafficking mutant kids. And that's kind of sure why Wolverine's involved. But anyway, the other side of this deal for these two girls is the Russians. And so Omega Red gets involved. Of course. Oh, they explore Jubilee's control of her powers. So hmm. she gets tied up by rope on her wrists okay. and then put in a box that is uh, padlocked. Okay. And she uses her little explosions to break the rope. Okay. To cut the rope. Cool. That is super interesting. Yeah. And then yeah. after she breaks the rope, she uses her powers to blow up the lock from cool. inside the keyhole. Cool. Cool. Okay. Applications of Jubilee's powers, I don't know if I've ever seen. Yeah. Anyway, so she escapes. Wolverine and Deathstrike fight, and then the Russians show up, and Omega Red gets involved. And so now it's kind of a three-way fight. 
And then at the end of that issue, Sabretooth and Birdie show up. Birdie. Wow. Yeah. And this is my first issue with Birdie. Yeah. (laughs) And I didn't know that Birdie was a mutant. Was a character at all? I didn't know she was a character because she was in Marvel superheroes. Okay. (laughs) Sabretooth had a move where he would call in Birdie. He'd go, Birdie. And she goes, yeah, boss. And takes a giant gun and just shoots. Okay. And that is the only frame of reference I've ever had for Birdie. (laughs) And so because of that, I just thought she was like this human servant, like, like a butler or something that he had, which is funny because from that and with Sabretooth's giant fur mane thing, I yeah. thought Sabretooth was super rich. <laughs> <laughs> like, I thought it was like a giant fur coat. Oh, like, wow. I thought that Sabretooth had his design as it was. And then from yeah. that game, it shifted my understanding of his design to think that was not just a costume it was a fur coat and he was rich and birdie was his alfred amazing (laughs) so i learned that birdie is a basically like a contact telekinetic or psych psychic yeah and she has like calming telepathy yeah she was his drugs basically yeah so that was interesting Mm -hmm. she was like the only influence that could stop his like at this point in time, stop his homicidal urges from going to the fore. And he basically developed an addiction to psychics and tortured and abused this girl, keeping her around so that she would have to keep, you know, making him feel calm and sane whenever he wanted, whenever he started getting the itch again. Not that he didn't want to kill, but just like it was annoying. Hmm. Although he kind of didn't want to kill, they were like on the maybe we'll re- rehabilitate Sabretooth plan of the early 90s. And then they're like, nah. Got you. So these two little girls, one of them is a pyrokinetic. Okay. And the other one is a teleporter. So you have this like four way fight between Deathstrike, Sabretooth, Omega Red, and Wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> and then teleporter starts removing people from, from the field. Teleporter drops off Omega Red in uh, Hindu Kush. Okay. I don't know if that helps place him and if it was like a random thing, but sure. Anyway, so it ends with Teleporter. I I I feel bad I don't remember her name, but the kinetic, the pyrokinetic's name is Hino. Okay. And she says, it's okay, Hino. I don't think we have to worry about these other two. I know that one of you means us no good and the other one wants to help us talking to wolverine and Sabretooth, but we just want to be left alone so i'm taking my sister far away to a place none of you can reach us in the future and so she and her sister teleport off end story so at some point maybe sometime down the line (laughs) we're going to come across these two young girls one is a pyrokinetic and one is a teleporter or not (laughs) it's larry hama it is Larry Hama, but he wanted to tell the story and he was given the chance. Now he has, he, he went and wrote this three issue story that that's true. Like now is canon. Yeah. Like that's the point of X-Men legends is these right. are canon stories right, to fill right. in backstory, fill in history. Yeah. It ends with Wolverine and Jubilee heading back to 
Xavier's. Okay. This vol- this next issue, it's a one issue story. Okay. And it is my favorite. Cool. It's uh from Fabian Nietzsche yeah. and Dan Jurgens. Takes place during the events of X-Men 91, issue number 34. Okay. That is immediately after the very first issue of uh, comics I ever bought and read. <laughs> nice. 33 was uh, Gambit and Wolverine. Or, sorry, Gambit and... Uh, or it was uh, a story of um, Sabretooth while in the X-Mansion rehabilitating. He, he was their captive. They were trying to, you know, make him permanently not a psycho monster. And Rogue came in to visit because he had mentioned that he knew some, he had crossed paths with Gambit in the past. They, he didn't talk about the mutant massacre. He did talk about a time they crossed paths in Paris and uh, it was a really cool character study. I was already believed I was Gambit from, you know, the television show and the cult that my friend in third grade started and so it was an easy sell and it was honestly a remarkable it was just a really well done short story uh, and character study and i was like oh i don't have the tools to understand this but i like gambit (laughs) that's awesome yeah that was 33 34 is just a pretty throwaway story. It looks Gambit and Psylocke enter a base of Mr. Sinister's given to them by Sabretooth. As yeah. they enter, they are attacked by a clone of Riptide, who they easily defeat. Beast and Rogue soon follow, though. Upon entering another chamber, they see Threnody. Oh, Threnody. I'll have some things to say about Threnody today. So this was, uh, <laughs> and she tells them a little bit about Sinister. She tells them this is one of the bases and that the Marauders could be cloned. She informs them that they they cloned in pairs and Riptide's pair and cloning with Sabretooth. As a clone of him attacks, they defeat it easily and then Threnody blows up the base, but not before they all escape. Yes. I will also say this is taking place at the same time as X-Factor 104 and 105. Okay. Which is X-Factor fighting Sinister. Oh, okay. In one of those bases, probably. Cool. So, it starts with Mr. Sinister. (laughs) And he says, welcome to an evening of fine dining and finer conversation. Welcome to a meeting of the eighth circle. So cuts to a fine dining. Is this a 90s characterization of Sinister or current characterization of Sinister? This is the Cieza's characterization of Uh, Sinister. Okay. Boo. (laughs) So Sinister at a dining table, fine dining, with Hank McCoy, okay. Charles Xavier, okay. Moira McTaggart, okay. Magneto, okay. and Amanda Mueller, the Black Womb. Oh, wow. Okay. okay. So, as established by Sinister, this table has hosted Abraham Lincoln and Adolf Hitler, Albert Einstein, and Babe Ruth. Conversations have ranged from the theories of relativity Relativity to Josh Gibson's home run power. This evening, we will discuss the de- the devolution of Homo sapien and the evolution of Homo superior. Okay. So he has brought minds that he believes interesting will benefit this conversation. The only person I've never heard of is Amanda Mueller, the back- black womb. Oh, she's, she's a near immortal mutant incubator. Yeah, she's That's weird. 
And she knows Magneto's real name. She knows a lot of things. Yeah. So, <laughs> so as we go down this roll call, Hank is like, you say that, Dr. Essex, as if they are, they are binary determinations. Charles says, questions have been raised, Hank, regarding when the branching of one species becomes its own distinct species. Maura says, the answer is when those branch species produce their own offspring, for now, mutant progeny born to mutant parents is statistically minuscule. Magneto says, and humans fight to ensure it will remain that way. For us to have a future, we must assert our rule over the planet. Amanda says, honestly, Max or Eric, whatever you prefer this week, can you please eat before you conquer the world? So it is explained that we are in a in Nebraska, a Tesseract Fold 22Q within Sinister's underground lab. Sinister says... We have three hours to set the human race on a unified path to evolutionary glory. Shall we proceed? Huh. And then we get to two hours and 58 minutes later. Eric or Magneto has a bunch of (laughs) cutlery and metal floating in front of Sinister. The conversation has devolved. (laughs) (laughs) And then Sinister doesn't seem worried. And then they're like... Do you, uh, she was like, hey, Sinister, do you want to explain this? And then you look at um, Magneto and his face is like crumbling. Huh. It's like falling apart. And they're like, what's happening? And then Moira was like, wait, he said we had three hours to solve the problem because he knew that's how long our clone bodies would remain viable. So turns out Sinister has cloned all five of these people to have this conversation. Cool. Implying, yeah. So implying that he's had multiple versions of this conversation with different players. I like this. Right? (laughs) So yeah, he says, I've had this dinner with countless combinations of minds I respect, and each time I learn something new. Yet each time it ends in a desperate struggle to what to watch you all eke out one more moment of of existence. But still, I learn, for isn't that how how we handle death as vital as we handle life? And Mora is like, Hank, we got to figure this out. We got to figure out our cellular degeneration before time runs out. We've got two minutes. So two of them go off and start trying to work on that. Charles and Amanda have a conversation. He's like, why aren't you helping them? And she's like, because I accept that I am not Miss Mueller. I am a construct, though with enough free will that I refuse to be a mouse in Nathaniel's maze. And so Charles says, apologies for the intrusion, but your mind may contain secrets that can help Moira and Hank. And Amanda says, oh, I assure you, it does, Professor. And he says, no. And then he says, you have always known. Why? Why didn't you ever do more? And he fades away. Uh-huh. His body falls apart. What the fuck does Amanda know? I don't fucking know. So <laughs> Sinister says, Amanda, how do you manage to keep your secrets when I made you to reveal them? And he says, Klein and Ulspringer did that, did find that stubbornness is genetic. <laughs> so Moira and Hank are trying to figure this out. It, none of it seems to be working. And then the room starts to shake and they're like, what's going on? Hank is like, what is that? What is the source of this disruption? And so it's just like, you are, or rather the real you attacking my base along with the X-Men. And you see a clip of uh, Psylocke and Beast (laughs) and Gambit outside in reality. Okay. 
Sinister has inner monologue. He says, I'm disappointed to learn my security has been compromised, though part of me is curious. What might Xavier and his children accomplish with access to my research? And yes, I can admit a very jealous part of me says far more than I have. And he says, uh, the doorways between fold space are being closed. If If they sever the interspatial umbilical passage connecting them, I could be trapped here forever. Mueller says, forever is quite a generous estimate, Daniel. And he says, what does she know? The vixen has always known more than she reveals. Moira and Hank try some stuff. Turns out it doesn't work. They like made some nanites and the nanites didn't work. And then Moira falls apart. Hank laments her, uh, her passing. Meanwhile, the Tesseract is starting to collapse. Beast is losing it. And so he starts attacking Sinister and then he starts to fall apart. Now it's just down to a fading Mueller and Sinister. And now Sinister is starting to fall apart. And Mueller is like, the truth is, Nathaniel, get up, dust yourself off. I have no desire to inhale the Beast Child's ashes with my dying breaths. But Cor was right. You've been a fuel. And Sinister says, and yet you were my pupil, Amanda. She's like, well over a century ago, Nathaniel. (laughs) And in all that time, while you played the childish part of Mad Scientist, the mutant Dr. Moreau, I focused on the destination, not the journey. And she types in a bunch of binary. Sinister says, what is this? A hidden message in binary code? Wait, the image is shifting. And then we see the fight between Sinister and X-Factor. Oh, cool. And Amanda says, no, sweet halfwit. The real Mrs. Sinister is in Hawaii combating X-Factor. Your cloning vats, his actually, are incubated in pairs. There were six Uh, of us at dinner tonight. Xavier and Magneto, McTaggart and McCoy, myself, and you. Inner dialogue from Sinister, he says, no, no, it can't be, but it is. He fritters his... He fritters time and opportunity away in useless skirmishes. While the data Amanda retrieved buried within Black Womb's files, only she knew how to access, could they be the key to everything? To the destiny of Homo sapien and Homo superior. I can translate the binary code. What does it mean? And she's and he says, Amanda, what is Homo unitus? And she says, it is what you should have been striving toward all along, Nathaniel, the inevitability of our evolution. What the real Amanda Mueller has tried but failed to achieve over many decades, but requires more than you are capable of. It requires hope. And then she fades away and dies. And then Sinister says, hope? That is absurd. Hope for what? On what? (laughs) Oh, that was she meant. It is so simple, so absurdly simple. From one came two, and from two should come one. Why hadn't any of us thought of this before? I, he can't lose this information. It can alter the entire equation of human mutant existence. He starts saving files and moving them uh-huh. away. It can, it can take the pain and prejudice, prejudice, the anger and hate, and use it to give birth to something new, something perfect but it is there but is there enough power left in for an in, interspatial signal to reach earth i have to try the real nathaniel sx has to be given the chance to do what's right all of her data weekly swims in the raging currents of inner space it will drown or it will reach shore i will never know which but in the minutes i have left to live i will have an eternity of regret how could I have been sculpted from such faulty clay? How could a man who literally creates life be blind to its meaning? Decades upon decades spent poking and prodding and manipulating the very essence of life. And for what? What is knowledge worth if, if it is sought only as a means to power? If given the opportunity, Nathaniel Essex could save the world. But when given the opportunity, would he? End. 
Cool. As the inner space falls apart in on itself and we no longer. So. <laughs> yeah. So I have no idea That's who Black Womb is, but she knows a shit ton. Okay. And I don't know what human u- homo unitus is. And and she's revealed something to Sinister that made something click. And and he tried to get it to real Sinister. And I don't know if real Sinister has it, but it's but Sinister on Krakoa has been doing some crazy shit. Yes. I don't know if it's gonna oh my god, dude. Yes. Ugh. So I have a few guesses here. I'm guessing that homo unitus or homo unitus is are these um spliced mutants from uh from house of or from powers of 10 from the far future timeline ah because they're like uniting different i don't know i could be totally wrong it it seems more likely that it's it's some sort of union between human and mutant Mm -hmm. but i'm just gonna go with that for now second amanda miller black womb she okay do you remember x-men legacy yeah and the whole story about the Alamo, Alamo Gordo project that Xavier's father and uh, Kurt Marco, Juggernaut's father, worked at. And it turns out that there was like some big crazy conspiracy about revive, like finding uh, seats for revival of Apocalypse. And Xavier was supposed to be a candidate for a psychic host of Apocalypse. Amanda Mueller was behind all that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. She was like in the background in Alamo Gordo. What does mutant incubator mean? Like, what is her power? I don't know for sure. I mean, I could I could have looked it up, but yeah. (laughs) But yeah, that uh, interesting. Yeah. (laughs) She knows so much. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, that issue went so fast and like (laughs) I just I wanted so much more. I want I seriously want a series of all the different conversations <laughs> Sinister <laughs> has had in this conver- in this book. Sinister in this room. Yeah. What a guy. Oh, it's just so cool. I like this is one of those like thinking outside the box with the like facts that you've been given. Yeah, the ability to to add continuity. Yeah, well just like Oh, Sinister's big on clones. Yeah. And he's big on research. What is something he would do? Yeah. Probably this. (laughs) That is really cool. Ah, man. That is is one of my favorite, like, things in comics is when you take... Sinister's been around for so damn long. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And you do something, like, actually novel and, and, and new. Yeah, totally. With characters like that. Oh, so freaking cool. Anyway, I have so many questions and I can't wait. I can't wait for us to come across our first tag for X-Men Legends. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can't wait for something that we've read to be a payoff from one <laughs> of these things. Anyway, compared to that issue, the next two issues suck. But <laughs> <laughs> next one takes place before New Mutants number 73. This is back to Louis Simonson and Walter Simonson. Okay. And it takes, it's followed up from X-Men Legends number four, which was the X-Men who took the ship from from Apocalypse and it was like the celestial ship. Yep, yep. 
and Apocalypse wanted to send them to try to stave off the next coming of the Celestials and the Judgment, yada, yada, yada. And so this follows Caliban and the two horsemen that are, that remain, okay. which are War and mm-hmm. Pestilence and Death are the two that are missing. It's War and Famine. Okay. Who are still there. And death and, at this point would have been uh, Angel, would have been Warren. Yeah. And Caliban wants to show Apocalypse that he can be useful. And so he wants to go and find two more candidates to be the new Pestilence, pestilence and Death. Okay. And so he looks for some Morlocks okay. who, are, who would be battle ready. Yeah. So a group of Morlocks in question, he comes across Mole, Chicken Wings, Beautiful Dreamer, Feral, Healer, Mask, Erg, and Ape. Okay. I am familiar with some of them. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't know Healer was a Morlock. Yep. That's cool. Yeah. So those eight are on the run and end up on the surface in an arcade where the new mutants currently are. Or some of the new mutants. Uh-huh. You've got Tabitha, Richter, Danny, Cannonball, uh, Warlock, and uh, Wolfsbane. Okay. They come across the Morlocks and they're trying to figure out what's going on. The Morlocks think that the new mutants are after them to finish them off because of the mute from mutant massacre. And in the confusion, war and famine show up to try to kill them. And then everything is getting out of hand because Caliban just wanted to find some new recruits. That didn't work out. Work out. <laughs> it ends with everyone kind of getting to a stalemate, but famine and war kind of getting their asses handed to them, <laughs> primarily by the new mutants, but also from teaming up with the Morlocks. Caliban asks Mask to heal that or undo the like face melting that he did on uh war (laughs) (laughs) and then calvin brings them back and apocalypse is like the hell were you doing he says i was just trying to trying to find you new recruits like this one doesn't really have much of a takeaway and then um the new mutants all meet up and they go back to their mission of taking Ileana to Russia. Oh, okay. And then the last one is X-Men Legends number 12. And this takes place in the direct aftermath of Uncanny X-Men number 227 and prior to the events of Excalibur Special Edition number one with Chris, okay. Chris Claremont and Scott Eaton. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so this is, okay, before the creation, like after the mutant massacre, before the creation of Excalibur. Yeah, and so this is this issue is considered the prelude to Excalibur. Cool, and it follows uh, Kitty and Nightcrawler, kind of just finding their way, and they have a run in with Hardcase and a handful of others. Uh, Piston Ranger and Blindside all run, uh, and Battle Axe. We were all teamed up with Forge, I guess. Okay. It's a series of scuffles around a compound <laughs> that ends with Kate, Kitty, <laughs> Kitty, Nightcrawler, and Lockheed being like, all right, 
we're done with this. <laughs> let's go. Let's go start over. Interesting. Forge Forge turns out to be Mystique. And so back on Mirror Island, you have Kitty, Nightcrawler, and Lockheed hanging out. And Kitty says, for one slight exception and one big hurdle, my permanent natural state appears to be intangible. I really am a ghost gal. Takes some getting used to. That said, where do we go from here? Nightcrawler says, I have faith. Short answer, Katsuyan, uh, wherever we like and do whatever we want. But Katie, I get the feeling something more is on your mind. Can I help? She says, I don't know. Since we got back, I've been having these weird dreams about Rachel. Wonder what they mean. <laughs> and they walk off into the sunset and there's a giant firebird design in the sky. And sure. says, and so Excalibur begins. Sure. So okay. it basically is like the transition story to... Yeah justify <laughs> Kitty and, and Kurt showing up in Britain to make Excalibur. That was kind of necessary, so cool. <laughs> it didn't really <laughs> exist before. Yeah, so that was uh that was that it was it was a good issue, but like not having read the issues myself, mm-hmm. not a big deal for me. For me, my takeaway from it is it was kind of like Falcon and the Winter Soldier on Disney plus uh-huh. just like by the time we're going to see Captain America again, it's going to be Sam Wilson. And there right. needs to be this transitionary story right, of, exactly. of him accepting the shield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that Disney plus show needed to happen in order for us to see Captain America on the big screen again, which got yep. announced for phase five. Sure. Did. And then, Oh yeah. You were, you were yeah. out of commission <laughs> when that was all announced. Yeah, how, and then you, so this issue existed to do the transition for Excalibur. Nothing really blew me away. Same, same way that some of the announcements of Phase Four got me going. Yeah, and that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> it, it kind of mostly felt like stuff that we knew was coming. Right. It just was, got put on the t- on the calendar. Mm-hmm. Crazy that I mean. So I've just been just floating through Phase Four, but it's crazy that Phase Four ends this November. Yeah, pretty abrupt. With, with Wakanda Forever. Yeah. And I know a teaser dropped for Wakanda Forever. I did not watch it. but No, me neither. The That's internet both to do. has gone ablaze okay. over it for X reasons. I would expect the internet too. Right? So, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited. I, uh, She-Hulk got another trailer. Because uh, cool. that starts up in a couple of weeks. It does, yeah. Yeah. We should... I guess, I guess we could do a uh, reaction video to... Phase oh, yeah. five announcements if we wanted to. Could be fun. Could be fun. Yeah, we should do that. But okay. in the meantime, yeah. That is my 10 books. That's record time, man. Congratulations. I was really stressed about covering these. Before I read them, I was thinking I was gonna split these up into like two episodes. Uh-huh. And then you're like, wait. Lot- <laughs> well, I thought a lot of good shit was gonna happen. Yeah, and I was yeah. wrong. <laughs> some good shit. yeah there was some good stuff and i think i spent a good amount of time on the stuff that i really cared about and the big takeaways for myself so yeah thank you everyone for listening to my voice straight for like two and a half hours yeah goodness so yeah (laughs) x-man x-man so yeah this was the only book i read this week i i literally have in my notes here oh god where to begin (laughs) okay so 
Nate's been in Dublin, Ireland for a little while doing, you know, things. He and Maddie teleport to New York City just to check in on his friends, but not like say hi to any of them, just kind of like peep around and be like, yep, they're all better off without me. Just continuing to be emo. They go to his loft apartment and then they leave and then Threnity comes out of the shadows and she's like, Nate, where were you? Uh, just sort of lurking in his apartment, all creepy. We know that she's like got zombies or something. Also, like they're psychic. She's got zombies, like yeah. a, like a medical condition. She's got zombies. <laughs> yes, and also the she has like zombie thralls following her around. Okay, so somehow they're both psychics. They don't notice her. She doesn't like confront them until after they leave. You know, it's a real like last panel, you know, like stinger, like, Ooh, Threnody's mm. still around this. They've been doing this for honestly, like 50 fucking issues. She died in, I want to say issue 25. She was killed by Maddie. Oh. I guess not 50, but even before that, there's just been like nonstop. Like, oh, I, I should go see where, what Threnody's up to. I haven't, you know, uh, haven't seen or heard from her since you know she suddenly we had that fight and she suddenly disappeared and then he just doesn't and he just says that every couple issues and then doesn't do it and now she started showing up in the shadows yeah they don't censor even though they're psychics which i don't think has anything to do with her and it has everything to do with the writing at this point, yeah, Nate still thinks she's missing, doesn't know she was killed by Madeline. Madeline doesn't know she's actually still alive. Also, we find out she's pregnant. Got a big old prego belly. Oh. Yeah. She's had a busy 25 issues. <laughs> <laughs> so, emo Nate goes back to Dublin. I don't know if you remember the PsyOps. They were the generic bad guys in like psych anti-psychic armor that nate and spider-man fought on the brooklyn bridge mm. when nate was contemplating psychic suicide basically because mm -hmm. he's so fucking emo <laughs> and there's just this like intergovernment like international intergovernmental organization with unlimited funds and inexplicable tech that doesn't appear anywhere else in the Marvel universe that's, you know, solely dedicated to taking down Nate. And there's just like dozens or even hundreds of people in this super psi-proof armor flying around. So they attack him in Dublin. Nate almost dies burning out his powers for the millionth time. Like every single issue, he almost dies burning out his powers, right? Mm -hmm. And there's a big fight. Gotta be honest, wasn't paying enough attention to this whole arc to really understand why. I'm not sure if it would make more sense if I was paying attention, but there's this big schism within the PsyOps rank, and mid-fight with Nate, they all turn on each other and start killing each other and just completely ignore him. Oh. And in doing so, they blow up like half of Dublin. And Oh, Dublin. <laughs> <laughs> Maddie, you exhausts her powers to give Nate back some power because that's how that works. Mm -hmm. Nate makes a little like earth bubble and just like hides her in there while the fight goes on. And uh, there's like one turncoat from the psyops who's been like a character in previous issues. And she and Nate go to take down the psyops as like helicarrier thing. And Ness, if you remember that guy, 
the the mentor who's been following Nate around the entire globe. And as soon as he gets to where he is, he's like, I want to mentor you. And Nate's like, cool, and teleports away. And then that kept going for like 10 issues. Mm -hmm. So Nate stays back to protect Maddie while they go and blow up the uh, helicarrier thing. And he gets killed by one of the psyops. And it turns out Maddie wasn't even there. She teleported away. (laughs) So that's the end of the Ness arc. Just unceremonious, like one panel, he's dead. He doesn't really do anything or add to anything while he's alive. I don't understand his presence at all, but I don't understand a lot of things in this story. So cool. They take down the helicopter carrier. Everyone blames the damage to Dublin on Nate and they scream at him. And and it, and it just kind of looks like he takes in all of their negative psychic energy and just sort of like pops and the newspapers say that he's dead. And then back in New York, Threnody reads one. She's like, no, you're not. Next issue. <laughs> he's in Alaska. Climbing a mountain with Scott and Gene. No transition. He's just there. So is this, are we going to get an X-Men Legends issue? <laughs> X-Men Legends? I fucking hope not. There's seriously no no reference at all to the previous story arc or like what happened to him in Dublin or anything or how he, they don't even like address it in like a text box or off panel, nothing. He's just in Alaska climbing a mountain with Scott and Gene. No, like, Oh, how he, he, you know, decided to come hang out with them. He knew he was there. None of this. He's just there. They're climbing a mountain. He's been having these chaotic dreams about the Age of Apocalypse. He has some premonition that something from AOA is up on that mountain. Turns out it's a cloning facility for Infinites, those green soldier guys from AOA. Oh. And it's not like 616 version. It, they're, they're from AOA. Like, this is an AOA incursion, if you will. And so they go to shut it down because, you know, uh, it, there's going to be hundreds and hundreds by nightfall or whatever so they've got to blow this whole thing up and there's a mutant powerful nullification field inside the cloning facility which for thoughtful for this story arc absolutely for (laughs) age of apocalypse where you know you're part of an organization that's run by mutants and believes in mutant supremacy and believes in survival of the fittest and that mutant powers are the natural expression and birthright of every mutant yeah, okay. When you put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, there, there's some other weird stuff with, like, lore of AOA. Apparently, there are some humans who just, like, volunteered to serve Apocalypse, and he, like, turned them into insane robot warriors. I don't know why he would accept them. I don't know why you know, he had that tech and used it on them and not mutants, but whatever. They fight one of them and then they blow up the cloning facility. And the next issue, we find out that it was brought there by the Emkron crystal on purpose by Moat and Joff, the, the crystal's guardians. Moat's the big golden robot guy and Joff is the little purple troll guy with the white hair. So they just, you know, like some of the most powerful foes that the x-men entire team have ever faced they just show up on earth to attack nate but they have to pretend that they're like 
injured travelers in the Alaskan wilderness that Nate comes and rescues first for some reason. They bring them in and they're like, oh, we're going to nurse these two back to health. And then they're like, oh, we're cosmic beings. Joke's on you. We, you know, and we brought this piece of Age, Age of Apocalypse, you know, like your connection to the Umkron crystal, something, something, when you used a shard of it to jump realities at the end of AOA you and your power, you were a danger to the fabric of the crystal. And, and so we brought this piece of AOA here as a test for you. And Nate's like, but so didn't I pass? So they're all like fighting, fighting. And it's like, okay, but like, didn't I pass the test? And Joff's like, yeah, but you saw that it was a test and that's scary. And Mo's like, nah, he's right. He did pass the test and they just leave. <laughs> <laughs> Who comes up with like. <laughs> <laughs> it's nonsense. Why? It's pure nonsense. It's just, it's just like, I don't, it, I don't know, dude. Why this story? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, Scott gives Nate his old X-Factor uniform. I think this whole story was just to give Nate a new uniform. And it's the 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 Cyclops X-Factor, like the blue jumpsuit with the white X across the entire torso. Mm-hmm. Like from thighs to shoulders. So he takes the, the uniform and leaves Alaska. And then Threnody does her la- her usual like last panel reveal lurking in the shadows. Ah, <laughs> uh, as I thought. In Alaska. <laughs> She's in Alaska. She's like, yes, you will leave, but something not for long. That's going to have the biggest payoff. You wait. You wait. Why is she in Alaska? Why did she go from New York City to Alaska? Uh, how did she know he was there how did her did she just like (sighs) look (laughs) if Colossus can do it (laughs) so can you (laughs) right like you're not gonna get through TSA I guess it was the 90s so maybe you could get through TSA security as a zombie with a bunch of other zombies following you this was pre 9-11 I don't remember how airplanes worked back then Oh man, that's it. That's that's all I read. I got through some of Deadpool too, but not enough to to finish an arc. So that'll that'll start off next week. Well, about that. Oh, Reign of X Volume Twelve came out. Well, okay, it's enough for two weeks out. Two weeks from now. <laughs> I didn't know how to. There was no smooth transition for this yeah. conversation. <laughs> so. For next week. <laughs> so next week, we're going to do Reign of X, Volume 11. You're going to read some of your stuff. I have four books have come out. So I'm going to read one or two of them. It's the new run of Hulk. Oh, interesting. Post-Immortal Hulk. So I'm <laughs> stoked for that. And it's Donnie newly, Cates. Newly Mortal Hulk. Yeah. And it's Donnie Cates Hulk. So this is going to be... this. I think it has potential. Cool. Daredevil, Woman Without Fear. So Electra as Daredevil. Donny Cates' fourth volume of Thor called God of Hammers. And there's also Iron Man, Books of Korvac, number three. I think I will read Iron Man, book three, because I'm sick of 
Iron Man being in space with this Korvac stuff, but him being involved in books on Earth and making reference to Korvac. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll probably read that and maybe one other one for along with the Rain book for next episode. Okay. Yeah, I'll read Deadpool and uh, I'm not sure what else I'll get up to. Maybe maybe some Gambit. We'll see. Sweet. Yeah. What an episode. What an episode. It's good to be back. Welcome back. It's good to have you back. Thanks, man. Well, that was fun. I'm looking forward to more stuff. And uh, I guess we'll put the outro music. Oh, where? Here. <laughs> Respectable place for it. Yeah. Also, do we want to reach out to this voice for the What the fuck is a sheep? Where did they come from?